welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. I'm going to be doing this podcast solo tonight. I'm mostly going to be going into the terror incident in New York City on Halloween, uh, October 31st. And I'm just going to start by going over a little timeline of what happened. And unfortunately, I'm getting this timeline from CNN, so uh, forgive me for that, but I'm just going to go through it really quickly, and then I'm going to dive into what the main portion of this podcast is going to be about, which is sort of the revival of the Fox News terrorism fear-mongering racket. We haven't had a so-called Islamic terrorist attack in the United States since 9-11. So, you know, a lot of people have tried to count San Bernardino and a bunch of other things as an Islamic terrorist attack, but this one really fits the bill really well for that sort of fear-mongering racket because the, the suspect yelled, Allahu Akbar, as he exited the vehicle, apparently. And the media really, you know, lapped that up, especially Fox News. So I'm just going to start with CNN timeline here. So at 2.06 p.m. on Halloween day, the suspect rented a truck from a Home Depot in Pasiak, New Jersey. Now, when I first heard about this story, when it, when the news first broke of this incident, I just assumed for some reason that it was like an 18-wheeler because a lot of these other so-called ISIS terrorist attacks, terrorist incidents that have happened in Nice and in other places in Europe have been with large trucks, like not a truck you can rent from Home Depot. And this was a typical pickup truck that you can rent from Home Depot. So that makes it pretty low key in the first place. So at 2.43 p.m., the driver exited the George Washington Bridge. At 3.04 p.m., the suspect drove the truck onto a bike path walkway. The truck entered near Houston Street. It says the truck enters a bike path, and then the truck crashes into a school bus. Oh my God, so this is the guy at full West Street corner, Houston. A car that we get three bicyclists. It sounds like a terrorist attack. I'm not sure what it is. I need to respond next. Dry laden off. So after this truck apparently crashes into this school bus, um, the suspect runs away, armed with a pellet and paintball gun. What I saw was that the driver, he didn't look like he was bleeding or anything per se, but um, he did have a noticeable limp as he was getting out of his car. He did look like he was dragging his foot a little bit and he was screaming, and he was screaming in the street. He looked frustrated, panicked, confused. Um, from there, a whole bunch of customers started running past me. A whole bunch of people came running past my way, yelling, "He's got a gun! He's got a gun!" From what I, from what I, from what I saw at that moment, I didn't see him hit anybody. I didn't see him drive in. All I heard was the impact of a crash, and I turned around to see where that came from, and I saw the white pickup truck. 
At 3.08 p.m., more than a dozen 911 calls came in. On the CNN timeline, it says that callers report people down, the school bus crash, and a man with a gun in the street. Now keep in mind, he had a paintball and a pellet gun. Bystanders called over nearby officers. I guess there's already, you know, there's already so many police around New York City that there were just already officers nearby. A police officer assigned to the area fired at the man, hitting him in the stomach. The officer is named Ryan Nash. And then the driver of the truck was taken into custody. Uh, there was some early talk that he had firearms and that he there were shots fired. The shots fired, actually, we're told, were from police shooting at uh, this man. He actually had a, a BB gun and a pellet gun of some kind, maybe even a, a paintball gun. Uh, but he was injured. And there you see the uh, video of him running. Uh, we're told that this is him with the two, uh, the pellet gun and the BB gun. Says after his arrest, the suspect underwent surgery. He has since been identified as Sefulo Hababulovic Sapov. Probably not pronouncing that right at all. I apologize for that. He's a 29-year-old Uzbek national who came to the United States in 2010. At least Fox News acknowledged it was a paintball gun and a BB gun, um, or pellet gun, like right away. But again, it does raise sort of a, a strange juxtaposition. Well, not strange, but... What would have happened if this guy was black? I mean, would he have survived a, poli a police shooting? It's just you have to wonder why is it that every black man where they're involved in a, where the police start shooting at them, uh, did they pretty much always die? And this guy just gets shot and he survives, um, immediately sent to the hospital and put into custody. I mean, it just, I don't know. It's odd. Law enforcement found a note near the truck claiming the attack was carried out in the name of ISIS, a senior law enforcement official told CNN. Huh. Okay. On Wednesday, he was charged with providing material support to ISIS and violence and destruction of motor vehicles. Correction, it says below. This story has been updated to reflect the note claiming the attack was made in the name of ISIS was found near the truck. What the fuck? Um, so they don't even identify who this senior law enforcement official is that told CNN there was this note near the truck claiming the attack was carried out in the name of ISIS. I'll go into my thoughts maybe a little bit later as we as we di dissect some of these Fox News clips that I'm about to play you. I just wanted to get this out of the way before we start, and I hope I don't turn anybody off by sort of jumping into the, the conspiracy gear right off the bat. But I'm not even going to comment on what I think about this attack here. I just wanted to touch on the idea that it's extremely funny to me, as it should be to people who have sort of dabbled in conspiracy theory culture for, you know, a few years, that whenever there's a quote-unquote terrorist attack involving a Muslim, the sort of the right-wing conspiracy racket now, like Infowars... And all these other people who call a lot of other attacks, like mass shootings, false flags, they don't they don't ever jump to the conclusion that an attack involving a guy who's a Muslim um, was a you know in some ways a, a patsy or it was a false flag attack. They never say that. So I just find that very fascinating that uh, all all Muslim terrorist attacks are real, 
but all like white guy terrorist attacks or mass shootings are fake or false flags. You know, so it'd be actually one interesting sort of example of where these two collide together possibly was with the Orlando mass shooting. So anyways, I don't don't want to get lost in a tangent this early into the podcast, but um, I just find it extremely hypocritical that, you know, all these uh, conspiracy right-wing websites are just jumping to the conclusion that this is, um, you know, that this is an ISIS terrorist attack. And they're basically echoing the exact same line that Fox News is putting out. You know, if you've been into politics for more than just the Obama administration, you know, if you remember the George W. Bush administration, you'll remember Fox News and how much of an obvious mouthpiece for the Bush administration it was at the time. Not to say that CNN, ABC, even MSNBC existed at the time. Not to say that they weren't also completely echoing and helping put out Bush administration propaganda, because they were. But Fox News was just a blatant uh, mouthpiece um, for the Bush administration. And so was Murdoch uh, Media Incorporated, I believe it's called, Rupert Murdoch's Media Empire, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, all of his uh, outlets are just chilling for the Bush administration in the Iraq war and the war on terror and all the Islamophobia shit was being channeled through those outlets uh, very heavily at the time. But Fox News sort of changed over the years. It became a little bit more amorphous. Like during the Obama administration, Fox News became sort of something that was more just a echo chamber for the right wing talk radio circuit or sort of a more watered down version, I suppose, of what was being said on right wing talk radio at the time during the Obama administration. I mean, they would play around with the Muslim conspiracies and stuff like that on Fox News and sometimes the birth certificate stuff. But it was a more toned down version of what was happening in right wing talk radio culture at the time. And somewhere along the line, you know, when it, it came down to Hillary and Trump, or even before that, I guess, when it when it seemed like Trump was actually doing really well in the primaries and the Republican establishment got scared, it became very apparent that there was some kind of rift at Fox News happening where there were actually like Fox News people, um, because a lot of the Fox News people were also kind of neocons and establishment Republicans. They didn't want Trump. Um, so there was sort of a, a rift that formed where they had the people who really did like Trump, like O'Reilly, Sean Hannity, trying to think of some other people, Laura Ingram. I don't even know if she has a legit show at Fox News anymore. But then you had people like Megyn Kelly and, um, you know, Shepard Smith and uh, Chris Wallace even was, you know, not that much in love with Trump, it seemed at times. Um, You know, there was a lot of signs at Fox News that there was definite rift between the pro-Trump and the anti-Trump people there, you know, right-wingers there. And then, you know, that sort of, I think, because of that, it sort of created a ripple effect where the alt-right, as it rose and became more empowered with Trump winning, um, obviously, you had almost like a split where the alt-right and Trump sort of were almost like in their own own orbit where Fox News was in a separate area almost. Fox News wasn't 100% on board with Trump like they were sort of 100% on board with George W. Bush. I feel as if this terrorist attack, um, and I'm doing air quotes as I'm saying that, 
it sort of unleashed or codified something that didn't exist before, which was sort of a the the Murdoch media empire and Fox News sort of coming back around to being sort of lockstep with the Trump administration in a way that even networks like CNN and MSNBC and other news networks weren't aren't willing to go uh, to a, to an area that's a little bit too extreme for these other news networks and not you know not even just a little bit um i would argue that it's quite a bit more extreme even though i believe CNN and MSNBC do their fair share of war on terror propaganda so i am going to focus on fox news because i think there's something new happening here which is not just that trump Officials get a lot of, um, you know, give a lot of exclusive interview access to Fox News and that Trump says Fox and Friends is, is, is the best show, the most accurate show. You know, they have Sebastian Gorka on all the time. Um, there is a, a definitely a, a pretty strong relationship between Fox News and the Trump administration. But I believe with sort of the reinvigoration of this war on terror, Islamophobia, after this New York terrorist attack, you're going to see a much stronger union between the two that's going to be a force to be reckoned with when it comes down to waging war um, on you know Middle Eastern countries or even just war when the Trump administration starts kicking up a war in North Korea, if God forbid they do something like that, that Fox News will be you know right there as their biggest you know the Trump administration's biggest megaphone. So and I'm going to play you clips that are not just examples of terrible terrorism, fear-mongering, and Islamophobia that are remin- very reminiscent of post-9-11 terrorism, fear-mongering. I'm also going to play you some clips that sort of, to me, hint that there are talking points directly coming from the Trump administration on issues like, we should treat this guy like an enemy combatant, um, and other issues like, uh, we should drop the politically correct attitude, surveil mosques, tighten immigration. So these are definitely coordinated talking points um, that are very much in line with what the Trump administration's agenda is. Let's start off with something maybe a little bit on the lighter end. Uh, Yes, here we go again. And again, the signs were there. What type of questioning are we doing for those who are coming into the country? You take this person, for example, his name is Saifullah, which means sword of Allah in Arabic. It's an Islamic name. What type of questioning was this person questioned when he came into the country? What type of family did he have? This is where we are failing, Martha. We are failing in, uh, in the intelligence department, in the human intelligence, in actually really scrutinizing people who are coming into the country. Country, uh, what type of refugees they are, whether they are coming as refugee or a second re- generation refugee. In other words, the refugees that are being brought to the country from different uh, Islamic uh, countries right now, especially those with links to terrorism, meaning the countries, they work here for six months, they are given the, uh, the American uh, n- nationality, and then they can start bringing their extended family member. How did this person get here? Was it through an extended family member who was a refugee to begin with? This is why we need to secure the country. Wow. Okay. So this is, you know, one of the Islamophobia industry's favorite things to do is to present sort of a token Middle Eastern person, a former reformed Muslim to basically get up there and say that we do need immigration reform and, and say something like the, you know, the the same things that Ann Coulter says, but it's sort of under this guise of, well, you know, I have the right to say this. I can't be bigoted because, you know, I am, I am Arab um, and, and things like that. So 
and it you know it's also kind of like Pam Pamela Geller as well. But listen to what she's saying. I mean, basically that doesn't even make sense because first of all, this guy was from Uzbekistan, which was not on Trump's immigration list. Um, it wasn't even on his original one. I think before he was sort of watered it down. It's just so hysterical. Right out of the gate, she's talking about his last name being the sword of Muhammad or something like that. And it's like, what does that even mean? I mean, so people have certain types of religious names, like people that that just come, that does come off as like really virtually the same as like an anti-Semitic comment saying, you know, like a neo-Nazi saying that certain Jews with certain names from the Bible are like evil, more evil than other ones or something. I mean, it really is very strange that that's just acceptable on the mainstream news. So let's let's go into some more here. It's like what the Israelis do. We need to profile based on behavior and mannerism. And knowing that Al-Qaeda and ISIS are instructing their people to rent trucks of these type of trucks and plow into crowds, we need to have a special training tapes that we provide to any rental place that does, for example, rent these type of trucks on asking people certain questions when they're renting the trucks and monitoring their behavior. Oh, my God. I mean... I mean, the way she's talking about it again, it almost makes it seems like it's some kind of special truck. It's a fucking pickup truck. So go to every rental car place and and make sure they watch special videos on how to catch terrorists wanting to rent special pickup trucks. Do you think they even did that for flight schools or, or, you know, flight training with like mini, mini aircraft? Uh, No, I mean, they probably just got like a worksheet from Homeland Security, you know, in the same way, like postal workers got one on like anthrax around that time. Um, so yeah, what she's suggesting is hilariously cartoonish. Um, it just sounds like a neocon fan, you know, Lori Milroy style fantasy. I mean, this is the weird thing with this, you know, this, this anti supposed anti-terrorism industry where they're just like all these like really hysterical people who sit on all these more ridiculous think tanks, like Frank Gaffney's, I think it's called center for American security or something like that. Um, is that they just, their, their propositions are just absolutely cartoonish. And to even bring up Israel's profiling, I mean, Every time these terrorism experts bring up, why don't we do things like Israel? Why don't we do airports like Israel? Airport security in Israel, you know, they don't care about being politically correct. They'll profile whoever, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, Abby has brought this up multiple times that when she went to Israel, the airport security there is extremely lax compared to the United States. Very fucking lax. So I don't know where people get this idea that Israeli airport security is like really hardcore and they pat you down and, you know, they have drug sniffing dogs everywhere and, you know, they make you run through 10 metal detectors. I mean, it's not like that at all. People who lie start breathing heavily. Uh, they start uh, fidgeting. Uh, they uh, smile a lot while their eye muscles do not smile. They smile a lot and it looks fake. These are the type of training that we need to provide to those working behind the counters who are leasing trucks, for example, to those who are trying to rent trucks, specifically when we know that ISIS in particular is calling for these type of trucks to be rented to more people. Jesus fucking Christ. Listen to her. Um, I, I have to play this part again. Sorry. Eye muscles do not smile. They smile a lot and it looks fake. They smile a lot while their eye muscles do not smile. They smile a lot and it looks fake. <laughs> um, so 
She's basically okay. I wanted to play the very end of that clip because the way the Fox News lady reacts is worth listening to. To be rented to more people. And it's a great point. Um... Great point. So, I mean, what, we need to have like um, lie detector uh, experts working behind the counters of rental car places now. I mean, listen to what she's saying. You can buy a fucking school bus on Craigslist. You can buy a camper on Craigslist. I mean, for like with no traceable, uh, like, you know, paper trail. I, I just don't understand where this idea that I, it, it is just so hyperbolic. I mean, but this is, I'm actually playing you one of the least hyperbolic clips first. It's not going to get exponentially more hyperbolic as I go on, but it will, but towards the end, I will play you some way more crazy from Fox News. And keep in mind, these first clips I'm playing you are actually from the, the evening of this attack. The clips I'll play you towards the end are, are sort of from the day after and the subsequent days on Fox News. You know, I was listening uh, earlier uh, talking about uh, uh, um, Shepard Smith was talking about the friends of this guy that knew him. He was very friendly, very nice, uh, peaceful person. He was an Uber driver. You know, it sounds mm. it sounded exactly uh, like the reporter describing Muhammad Atta when Muhammad Atta immediately after yeah. uh, September 11th. So same Good same type. Good point. Same type. So let's just dissect that for a second. Muhammad Atta. Um, allegedly tried to get a loan at the USDA office in Florida from a USDA employee named Jolene Bryant, tried to get a government grant, apparently. Um, and while he was talking with her, he told her that women should be treated like dogs, I believe. And he also threatened to slit her throat. And he also pointed to a map behind her and asked for it because he said he was going to do some flying or something in Washington, D.C. And if you believe Daniel Hopsicker's uh, work, he's interviewed people who interacted with Muhammad Atta, including a girlfriend, someone that he dated while living in Florida, who claims that he killed her cat. So it's in just interesting the way that people pick and choose what they remember about these characters who were involved in 9-11. So this idea that Muhammad Atta was a nice guy and didn't have violent tendencies, according to several media reports, whether you believe them or not, um, is just does, doesn't make sense. Because there's plenty of media reports suggesting that he wasn't a nice guy and um, he was just extremely egotistical and arrogant, uh, apparently. And actually, I think in just one of the more casual reports about Muhammad Atta, one of the flight instructors uh, thought it was interesting how arrogant he seemed for being able to speak so little English that it wasn't just people didn't really have anything really positive to say about him. He wasn't a nice, quiet guy. Um, he actually did make a lot of noise and threatened to murder someone in a government office before 9-11. I mean, he could have blown the whole operation. So wasn't a quiet guy at all. Um, this woman is completely talking out of her ass. Let's jump to another clip. 
And by the way, I traveled this past weekend to Miami, Boston, and Norfolk, Virginia. I had an expired driver's license. I went through three different airports on an expired driver's mm -hmm. license and was not questioned once. And that is Boston, Miami, and Norfolk, Virginia, which is the home of the biggest naval base in the United States. Now, I'm an American. I'm a terrorism analyst. I'm a faithful American. But this goes to show you mm -hmm. the lack of security and the apathy we have in training those who are, uh, you know, trying to protect us. And that's why we need to throw political correctness in the garbage and yeah, start doing point. what we need to do to protect the country. Uh, okay. So she's basically using her own example, which she almost makes it seem like it was some kind of stealth operation to see if they would check her ID. She probably was just so lazy she forgot to renew her driver's license. And then at the end of this rant, talking about how she was surprised she was able to go through three airports with an expired driver's license, she says that this is why we need to throw political correctness out the window. Because I guess she looks Arab and she has an accent. So she's suggesting that they should have profiled her, I guess. Because, like, they should have given her extra profiling and then they would have noticed that she has an expired ID. I'm not really sure what her reasoning is because, I mean, you th you would think that even just, like, the TSA guy who, like, scans your license as you're walking through would already notice that it's expired and that would be in their regular training. Like, this is, they say it's really important you make sure their licenses aren't expired. So what she's saying just doesn't even logically make sense if you add it up. But maybe maybe she really does mean that she wants TSA to just selectively profile her because she has brown skin and sounds like she could be a Muslim. So I, I guess, you know, that may, might be what she's saying, to be honest. Benson, political editor of townhall.com, Mara Lyason, national political correspondent of National Public Radio, retired Green Beret, you heard from earlier Mike Waltz, who served as a senior counterterrorism advisor to Vice President Dick Cheney, and Jillian Turner, former National Security Council staffer under Presidents George W. Bush and Barack Obama. Um, well, the only reason I'm playing you that intro to this roundtable discussion, which is the clip I meant to pull up earlier, is because I just wanted to get a sample of the diversity of the panel um, in terms of the consensus on sort of this Islamophobia terrorism fear-mongering that Fox News is presenting. You have a former Dick Cheney advisor, a former national security advisor for the Obama administration, and an NPR journalist, and also a The Hill uh, correspondent. So this NPR journalist, you know, sounds just like anyone else would on Fox News. Um, it's really interesting. So here, I'm going to just play you a clip of uh, this panel. I want to make a comment particularly about ISIS's turn to, if this is an, indeed an ISIS attack, which, as Chairman McCall points out, it looks likely, bears all the hallmarks of one. Um, their turn to reliance on the use of vehicles, the weaponization of vehicles, is something that is going to have catastrophic consequences for possibly decades to come. While their ISIS's reach is now definitively global, thanks to the Internet, this particular tactic makes all terrorism local. <laughs> it's going to be something we're going to have to be dealing with for decades to come. I mean, yeah, anybody crazy can do anything crazy at any time. I mean, America seems to have a particularly big problem with mass shootings. So, I mean, if you really want to boil this down... Why don't we do something about mass shootings? 
Is it because that we can't do anything about them really until we like make guns illegal and even that won't stop them? I mean, what, so I guess <clears throat> this is something, the reason that they talk about it like this, I mean, I think is because it's just so many things coalesce together. So many agendas conveniently coalesce together because you can sell more weapons with things like this. You can have more excuses to wage war in the Middle East. And as you'll hear in some of these later clips, a lot of these people keep bringing up somehow Trump's surge in Afghanistan as being some kind of good response to this kind of activity in New York. Um, it just doesn't connect at all logically, but it's the exact same logic that the Bush administration used saying that we have to fight them over there to stop them from coming over here. This guy was from Uzbekistan. So we're going to start bombing Uzbekistan. And it's interesting because they'll keep raising this issue of how it is on one hand, something that we need to be, have an offense, more of an offense to defeat, meaning just more bombing the Middle East to defeat. But yet, it influences people over the internet and it's, they do it through a magazine and through websites and videos. It'll just inspire more, you know, more and more people, radicalize more people. So there really is no answer to stop it. So there at least it's like on one hand, they do acknowledge sort of the idea that you can't really stop something that's just a brand, but they don't see, they don't call it a brand or, you know, they'll use the word a franchise couple times, but not really in the same way that I mean that it's a brand. And I think there's a, actually a particular Tucker Carlson clip we're going to listen to later that's talking about it. But keep in mind the clip I just played you and then I'm going to continue playing you now as a former Obama administration official. For the effective future, it means that they can, they can reach into any community anywhere in the world at any time and find <laughs> recruits and sympathizers who are willing and able to go forth and carry out terrorist attacks. And well, see, that's the whole thing. I mean, the Bush administration, whether you believe that they had a hand in the 2001 anthrax attacks or not, that was the whole point. I mean, you could argue that that propaganda was the knockout punch that that 9-11 didn't achieve on its own because 9-11 was something that just happened in Manhattan. And it just seems so unlikely that Al-Qaeda would bother to you know, attack you in your suburb or something. But it wasn't until the anthrax attacks that it became localized where people actually thought, oh, my God, it can come through my mail now. And if, you know, they didn't even know how the postal workers were getting contaminated with anthrax, your mail could have brushed up against another you know, piece of mail that had anthrax in it. So I think that this is possibly deliberate propaganda that's being put out there to sort of intensify the fear mongering that ISIS you know, if, if they really are encouraging people to do this in their magazine, you know, I, I, I think I've actually read excerpts from that. You know, I'm not disputing that there is a magazine that, that has instructions telling people to go do stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, people can do crazy shit with very little like resources. I mean, what about just like arson? I mean, that's a really heinous crime that sometimes it's hard to catch arsonists. Um, and you just hope, you know, and kind of just just are hoping that most people are mostly decent and that the only people who would fucking do arson on purpose to like burn down a forest or a neighborhood or, you know, whatever are, are just fucking crazy. And you just hope that that doesn't happen very often, but it actually, it does. But I mean, these are just all the, people in the United States, especially 
some of the crazy criminal types tend to be a little bit more narcissistic than in other countries just because of the culture that we live in. So it's it kind of makes sense why a lot of these crazy assholes and uh, suicidal people um, like Stephen Paddock, and I'm going to go into him more because it's interesting that none of these clips I'm about to play you do they bring up or compare the reaction to this to the reaction people had to the Las Vegas shooting, which killed over 50 people. One guy apparently killed 50 people. So yeah, I'm just going to finish playing you this clip. This is the 13th one this year. And since this first started with Nice in 2015, um, we're up 300% in terms of the lethality of vehicular attacks. So it's just devastating. All right, I want to turn back to... Uh... So it's really, it's just interesting the way they, they're framing it because they want it to be this like special genre of like especially deadly terror, like a car attack. But in all these attacks, I mean, relatively few people died. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're not horrible tragedies that shouldn't have happened. Um, but I mean, they're just act making such a big fucking deal about them, especially in light of the fact that we just had a mass shooting where over 50 people fucking died and over 500 people got shot. I mean, that is just especially in light of that. I mean, the biggest mass shooting in history. This is a former Dick Cheney advisor. This was the uh, ninth uh, vehicle assault used by ISIS. Uh, remember, Nice, we, we saw this happen uh, previously. So you think uh, this is ISIS? Uh, I believe when an individual uh, yells out Allahu Akbar, all the indicators and hallmarks of an act of terror. And I think uh, that's true in this case. When an individual yells Allahu Akbar, all the indicators and the hallmarks of terror are there. He even answers his question. I mean, at least um, Brett Bear, I think is his name, is actually trying to challenge him a little bit. Um it's funny, too, because, you you know, some of these Fox News people, I feel like they've evolved a little bit away from maybe being as Islamophobic and, like, crazy bloodthirsty as, like, they were during the Bush administration. So, like, someone like Brett Baer is maybe actually sort of questioning this in real time. Like, well, wait a second. Like, how do we know this is an ISIS attack? So, like, are you sure it's an ISIS attack? And this guy just doesn't even answer his question. He says, well, when a guy jumps out of his car and says, Allahu Akbar, it's like, What? Okay. Uh, we know uh, for two years they've called out in their internet magazine to attack by vehicle. Okay. Again, so 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 does that mean just I can make a magazine telling people to, you know, do something that they can with a with a power tool they can rent at Home Depot to cause vandalism or damage or kill people, and that I'm going to be considered a a dangerous terrorist force to be reckoned with because I put that idea out in a magazine online. I mean, just think about how ridiculous that is for a second. Really? Uh, by explosive device or by knives and small scale attacks. Knives. The guy's like fucking, he knows he's an idiot. He knows he's an asshole just repeating. I mean, for all I know, this guy is just reading straight from a script. Let's play some more bullshit. Here's the NPR reporter. Um, that happened in August on and popped up on a website. Yep, yep. And this is not very far from 9-11, actually, just right up the street from the site of 9-11. But look, this is a issue that is going to have to be confronted, balancing the uh, United States citizens' demands for free life. What, how would it be, what, what does that even mean? How is this going to be confronted? The solutions they're offering are hilarious. I mean, this NPR reporter is not 
giving a solution, but she is basically suggesting that somehow our civil rights are going to have to be curtailed to prevent something like this. Anybody can fucking drive their car into a bunch of people whenever they want. That's the risk you take, baby, of living in a in a country or with a bunch of other people. I just don't understand. I mean, unless you want to live in the middle of nowhere, some crazy motherfucker can decide to mow you down with his car whenever they want. I guess maybe I just think about these things more than a regular person does. Like when I'm driving on the freeway, I mean, sometimes I'll just have a flash and, and think, fuck, what if this car in front of me just decides to like slam on their brakes for no reason? just to like get in a car accident for fun. I mean, just because this has the charge of a sort of ISIS behind it, and this guy yelled out Allahu Akbar. I mean, if it says in the magazine, this ISIS magazine to rent cars or, or to use cars as weapons and also knives and explosives, why did this guy jump out with a paintball and pellet gun? You mean you're telling me he couldn't jump out there with a machete? It just seems... Like, it's extremely half-assed any way you slice this. So, again, the reaction is so fucking over the top. So over the top. And, yes, eight people died in this fucking tragedy. The guy ran into a bike path where a bunch of people bike. It's not like a bike lane on the side of the road. It's an actual separate road, almost, that cars aren't supposed to drive on that where tons of people bike in New York. And the question is, we're going to find out in the coming days, was this person a U.S. citizen? Did he have any ties to ISIS in some way? Um, was he here legally? There are going to be a lot of questions answered. And then you can design the precautions accordingly. I mean, I don't know if every single rental car place in America has to have a list of people who can't rent a car. Well, at least she acknowledges the obvious. I mean, but again, there is a disconnect where it's like, what... How come there's not more discussion in between this about how you can't stop something like this from happening? And then once again, how fucking half-assed it really was. I mean, the guy was lucky, frankly, that he took out eight people. Shit, he didn't seem to put very much planning into this at all. Even if even if it's they later put out a bunch of indisputable evidence showing that he was planning this for months and that he was reading all these ISIS pamphlets on car attacks. Well, he still did a really half-assed job. It's just, an, it's just a, to me, really half-assed. I mean, how would you even go about trying to stop it at the law enforcement level? Well, that's good because I don't like to come on your show and just complain. There is a way to at least hopefully make a dent. I think the country would be astounded if they realized me being a former federal agent and a former New York City police officer, you know, how few people of interest are under active physical surveillance. Now, listen, I'm a libertarian at heart. I think we've wasted a lot of time on mass data collection from people who have nothing to do with anything. But right. we've, we've, fell in, we've fallen in love, Tucker, with SIGINT, signal intelligence, collecting emails and social media, and we've fallen out of love with old school shaking of the trees in communities, an old expression for going into communities and developing high quality investigative sources. It's how we broke up the mob. It's how we can do it against this radical Islamic ideology. We don't leave that many footprints if you don't have the sources to cut them off in advance. So that's a guy on the Tucker Carlson show he used to be a former federal law enforcement guy, I guess. Sorry, I don't have his name up in front of me. It's just really irritating, I mean, to say the least, that he's comparing radical Islamic terrorism to the mob 
like that it exists in the same way like the mob does that we can somehow infiltrate and he's basically suggesting we infiltrate mosques because I'll play you a clip in a second where that's what he's really saying. And he's saying, well, uh, Tucker, look, I'm a libertarian. Like, I don't, you know, I, I hate this mass data collection just as much as any other person does. I mean, that's such a a hilarious cop out and almost like a weird um, sort of like a triangulation attempt because Fox News tries to appeal to libertarians now, too. This is something new that they didn't used to do during the Bush administration at all. I mean, they didn't do it at all during that era. Um, maybe small government people, but not libertarians. They would never say libertarian on Fox News is like a positive thing. But he is suggesting that we investigate pre-crime by infiltrating communities of Muslims. I mean, that's one of the most anti-libertarian things you can do. So just the idea that he would be making some kind of differentiation between the constitutional violation of mass surveillance versus infiltrating Muslim communities to root out pre-crime is fucking hilarious and just absolutely stupid. This guy's a fucking moron. You have an American political party as well. Let me throw another one out there that's absolutely committed to the idea that we should never surveil, God forbid, in a mosque because that may upset some people. Listen, nobody's saying anywhere, no credible personality anywhere is saying that all Muslims are involved in terrorists. That's absurd. That's a leftist stupid talking point. But a, a mosque, Tucker, should not either be some kind of protected space. You and I both know if it was a Christian church professing that they wanted to blow up something, that of course law enforcement would be in there. Thankfully so. It's politically correct to not want people to fucking infiltrate mosques. I mean, just think about what he's saying. This is a total conspiracy theory. This is the Frank Gaffney Islamophobia industry conspiracy theory to suggest that mosques all over the country are breeding radical Islamic terror, as they like to call it. It's just simply not true. There is not a conspiracy in a sort of whisper network or some kind of secret sleeper cell network of anybody in the United States. And even if he's talking about just the idea of mosques that are anti the United States and are sort of more radical than other ones, I mean, even that, the idea that you know, you can somehow infiltrate them with law enforcement and somehow prevent a terrorist attack. I mean, the chances that the members of those mosques are going to go off and do something because of something they heard their imam say or whatever, it just seems statistically extremely unlikely. Even after the, you know, all these, um, all this ISIS propaganda floating around. But this has just gotten this PC society is sickening and it's damn dangerous to American citizens. And Thank God we have a president who finally understands the threat, too, by the way. I mean, look where we'd be now if we still had this apologizing and not using the word terrorism anymore. So, yeah, this whole notion, this is it just seems like really convenient timing, too, for Trump. I mean, in the middle of this investigation happening against him, these indictments against Paul Manafort, that Trump is basically having an entire media network be his megaphone saying that PC culture is the reason why this happened. I mean, so that's one of the most false talking points of all that they're putting out is that PC culture causes to happen. I mean, how? How does that make any fucking sense whatsoever? So, I mean, their recommendations, this is the talking points that I'm hearing put through Fox News during this time period. Surveil mosques. Increase NSA spying. 
even though this guy isn't saying that you'll hear some clips later of people saying that um there's some clips later i'm going to play you of people saying ex-generals um you know quote-unquote retired generals we all know what that really means sometimes um saying that the afghanistan war surge is working that this is edward snowden's fault that this is obama's fault that guy was just sort of alluding to it being obama's fault because obama didn't use the word terrorism or whatever or i don't even know who's talking about because even the new york um mayor and stuff used the word terrorism um, but the right still continues to hammer them for not using the word radical Islamic terrorism. It just gets really ret retarded here. They blame PC culture. Uh, they say that we need more extreme vetting. And they also allege that the NYPD itself is too soft on terror in some instances because they have their hands tied because of PC culture. They don't want to be seen as being anti-PC. They're talking about the stop and frisk fucking police force i it just none of this stuff lines up former deputy assistant to the president sebastian gorka you know you wrote this book that we can defeat isis when you get to lone wolf territory dr gorka it becomes that much more difficult how do we know how are we able we have the most sophisticated weaponry of intelligence available to mankind is it possible that we could find every one of these lone wolves before people die like today he didn't like that phrase. Uh, we can do much better. Uh, we absolutely can, especially under the presidency of Donald J. Trump. Number one, we have to jettison this idea of a lone wolf. Ooh. Lone wolf was invented as a phrase or was made popular by the Obama administration to make Americans disconnect the dots. There has not been a significant jihadi attack since September the 11th in the United States where one person acted completely isolated from everybody else. Second, Dr. Gorka, let me, don't I, I don't, do, I'm not taking issue with you. I just think this is important. Are there not people that, in the <laughs> privacy of their own... Hannity's still fighting not, for his point. Know, ...somehow identifying with this sick, twisted, evil cause, uh, adopting, oh, I'm going to be a disciple of, I'm going to take orders from whoever gives them to me, make an attack on Halloween, and then acts independently? You're saying we should jettison that entire idea, that that doesn't exist? Yeah, we should jettison the idea that there's an individual in their basement who one day is an upstanding American citizen, and then a few weeks later, just because they went to a few websites, they become a jihadi. Never happened. The, the closest we got was that pathetic case of jihad. Listen to this conspiracy theory that Sebastian Gorka lays out right here. It's pretty brilliant. Very neo-conny. Either the individual traveled to Pakistan, to the Middle East, to Syria, got training, or they were in touch with another human being who indoctrinated them who wow it sounds an awful lot like the russiagate conspiracy theory stuff doesn't it that somehow you you go to russia you meet with a russian and then the russians indoctrinate you with something i mean what he's saying is just as it basically the difference between what he's saying and the idea of what sean hannity is suggesting which is funny that sean hannity is fighting for this lone wolf idea sean hannity is saying that the internet might have just radicalized this guy um, who was maybe not radical before. Sebastian Gorka is suggesting that there is some kind of network or conspiracy of like radical Muslims who wanted to cause harm to the United States. And it's almost like a link together network, even if it's just some like random guy that this guy encountered one day that sort of convinced him that committing violent act and against civilians was a good idea. So it's just funny how that these neocons take that leap. And he also notice how he says he 
really doesn't like how the Obama administration popularized the term lone wolf, which I don't even know if that's actually true. Maybe it is because it disconnects the dots. So that's really interesting because these dot, this dot connecting is conspiratorial and it always has been since the Bush administration specifically to connect all these Al-Qaeda networks together, all these different Islamic radicals all over the, you know, the Middle East together as one cohesive terrorist force that's just all of them versus us. It's, it really, it's designed to basically conflate everything together and make you think that it's this one giant scary network that's coming for you. The idea of a lone wolf terrorist attack is just the same idea of as like a mass shooter, like Stephen Paddock in Las Vegas. It's not really much different from that except the idea that what they were inspired by to do that attack. So I'm going to continue here by playing some more clips of Sebastian Gorka on the Hannity show. And is when he continues um, speaking about this and uh, what we should do about it in response, he mixes an interesting typical neocon framing with a little bit of extra spice from like the right wing paleo conservative, you know, the right wing talk radio um, circuit. He starts talking about, you know, a way to respond to terrorism is arming yourself chronic and a physical footprint and we have to identify it number one by understanding there's no front line in this war like there were in olden days there's no trench out in france there's no front line in germany or in the asia pacific the front line sean is when you leave your house in the morning whether you're going to a christmas party in an office in san bernardino whether you're going on a fun run in boston you have to be responsible for your own safety Use the Second Amendment if you are trained and legally capable to do so. I know you believe in it. I believe in it. And secondly, even if you don't have the mental fortitude to carry a gun to protect yourself and your loved ones, be aware of your surroundings. And when you see something suspicious, say it. These attacks take weeks and sometimes months to prepare. I mean, that's a really interesting mixture of George W. Bush era neighborhood watch style terrorism fear-mongering mixed together with classic right-wing right to bear arms vigilante justice type mindset and then he says that sometimes these attacks take weeks and months uh, of advanced planning i'm sorry but anyone can rent a truck from home depot and run over people with it that doesn't take any planning planning a mass shooting um, usually does take, there's more of a paper trail and more of a, there's more of a record for that. Somebody goes and buys a bunch of ammo at a store and a bunch of extra clips or whatever for a type of weapon that's commonly used in mass shootings, then that's more likely to mean something like that than somebody fucking renting a truck and then using it to go mow over people. This, just none of this stuff makes sense that these people are saying. And it's fear mongering. It's meant to hit your reptile brain. CNN fake news Chiron, and it actually says, witness, suspect, was yelling, God is great, in Arabic. Okay, he said, Allahu Akbar. So somebody of fake news CNN, yep. there is this fear. Remember in, in the case, we had the one case where the neighbors saw these guys working late at night and didn't want to say anything. And then if, conveniently, of course, they bring out this talking point again, that it's PC culture 
that causes some of these terrorist attacks. And they just touched on the San Bernardino shooting and are harping on this one story that came out around that time saying that neighbors thought there were some suspicious things happening coming out of their house, but they didn't report it to authorities. And they're spinning that as, well, they, you know, this is why PC culture is so dangerous because they didn't want to be seen as Islamophobic. That's absurd. This guy rented a truck. So here's a clip from later in the evening on a Brett Bear panel um, with a retired Green Beret guy, again, another retired, quote unquote, retired general. And if anybody doesn't understand that I'm smirking when I'm saying that or what that's in reference to, look up the retired general scandal uh, uh, during the, you know, that happened um, a few years into the Iraq war where it was discovered, again, I'm kind of saying that sarcastically, is news agencies kind of had to admit and to save face, oh, whoops, all of those retired generals that were coming on our networks during the buildup to the Iraq war and during the initial stages of the Iraq war, they weren't actually necessarily retired and they were just directly parroting Bush talking points that they were paid to repeat on television. So that was essentially what that story revealed. But it was obvious that that's what was happening at the time. I'm not saying you're an idiot if you didn't think that was obvious at the time, but, you know, if you had an awareness of war propaganda and U.S. foreign policy already and the way that the media was already sort of an arm of war propaganda, then it was blatantly obvious that these people were not independent of the Bush administration. They weren't just right-wing, you know, Republican voting um, retired generals. They were clearly repeating parody talking points. And this guy, Michael Waltz, retired Green Beret, is sort of the 2017 version of that. Um, because listen to what he says. There's been a lot of quotes about using vehicles, and we've seen that in efforts. Well, and, and ISIS and Al-Qaeda have their own magazines as well. In the case of ISIS, it's Inspire magazine, and they've actually been calling for a truck-type attack in New York, in Vegas, in L.A. for a couple of years now. Um, you know, one, one should ask how they're producing their own magazine. And, you know, just to take a step back for a moment and to go a little strategic, that's why I think— uh, So, again, he brings up this idea that the magazine is somehow— really dangerous and inspiring all these terrorist attacks. He's taking a different rhetorical approach than Sebastian Gorka. It's more going in line with this idea that there are lone wolf attacks, but they're being radicalized by the magazine, but not even just radicalized by the magazine, but they're specifically being given this idea of using a truck as a weapon in this magazine. And that's, you know, a really bad thing in and of itself. Now, again, I go back to this concept of Anyone could put out a magazine and think of dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of ideas of ways to kill a lot of people in creative ways, I guess. <laughs> Using a truck is not, it's really not that creative of an idea. I mean, I'm sure people have thought about that many, many years ago, and it's probably even been done before. So to act like that's some kind of new, crazy new genre of terrorism, it brings terrorism home, I mean... Well, what you guys are doing is by fear-mongering about this constantly is you are making people be afraid of cars on the streets in the United States who are watching Fox News. That's what you're doing. ISIS, if they're really even inspiring anybody to do this, they've had very little results in the United States especially. This is really the only example. So it's so overblown. 
Um, I should mention that when I'm recording this podcast, uh, another mass shooting has happened. I started recording it on Saturday, November 4th, and today is the 5th, Sunday, and there was another mass shooting in Texas in a church that killed 25 people. 25 people. And Fox News, um, you know, they're talking about the mass shooting, but they're mostly s- still focusing a lot on this um, this supposed ISIS attack. I'm going to continue playing uh, this clip from this retired Green Beret guy, because now it gets really George W. Bush administration era, because he talks about how all these different battlefronts that Donald Trump has um, amplified right now in the Middle East are... That's the response to these kinds of attacks. This guy running a truck and running over eight people. Uh, so listen to this. We have to stay on offense. We can only do so much defense against these t- types of attacks. That's why the president's decision to stay engaged and on the offense in Afghanistan, what the Green Berets are doing in Niger against Al Qaeda in the Maghreb, the C- Navy SEAL raid last night against um, ISIS in Libya, the president's speech in Saudi Arabia on his first trip calling on Muslim majority nations, moderate Muslim majority nations to take this problem on from the inside. It's all in interconnected. And Brad, I think my bottom line here is we are in a global war against Islamic extremism. It's at war with us, and we are fighting it in Kandahar and in Raqqa, and now we're fighting it at home. In- uh, but we have to stay on offense to take these sanctuaries down and then put a broader strategy in place of how do you undermine the ideology. Just as we undermined and discredited the ideology of communism, we need to do the same thing with the ideology of Islamic extremism. I mean, what can you really say to that? That is so uncannily close to resembling George W. Bush's um, war on terror propaganda. It's, it's not even funny. I mean, it's just disturbing how we are 16 years out uh, from 9-11, and yet this, we're still hearing rhetoric like this. And it gets worse. I mean, I'm, I'm building up to some much worse clips you're about to hear. And keep in mind, these are just like some mostly unknown, obscure talking heads. Um, you're going to hear from some politicians. They're going to say some really heinous shit that um, is really alarming. Get ready. <laughs> but I'm going to continue playing some stuff from this panel still for the moment that they can post something up on an internal uh, a magazine that they're disseminating on the internet around the globe for anyone who wants to read it. Oh, yeah, I forgot to comment on Michael Waltz um, saying that why he was actually asking the question. He asked a legitimate question. It's kind of in the middle of a really, you know, scripted rant that was basically just echoing George W. Bush war on terror propaganda saying, well, how are they able to like print this magazine? Which is interesting. Who is funding this magazine. It does seem very professionally put together. Go check it out. Uh, I, I forgot the actual title of the magazine, but it's in PDF form. I don't know where you can actually find a printed copy of it, but it looks like a very professionally made, laid out magazine. And it kind of goes along the lines of ISIS's really professionally produced videos. Some of their videos, not all of them, uh, but some of them are extremely professionally produced. They look very high quality. Um, It's someone who's very skilled in either After Effects or Apple Motion or some kind of motion graphics kind of stuff. There's even special effects in some of the videos, um, which is odd. Like they embellish 
they add fake fire over an actual snuff record, like video recording of them executing prisoners and stuff. So, I mean, that's a question worth asking. How are they able to produce these extremely well-produced videos in, in this magazine on a regular basis? Is this money coming from Saudi Arabia? What intelligence agencies are secretly funneling money to ISIS to get them to do this or to help them do this? Are these videos even ultimately, are they being produced in the territories that ISIS used to hold? These are all questions that I never see answered in any of these you know, reports. It's, they mostly just allow these videos in this magazine to serve as fear-mongering. They just basically allow ISIS to fear-monger us by, by acting as an amplification device for ISIS's fear-mongering instead of actually trying to like figure out who this organization is that's trying to over-inflate its importance. But in some sense, they must be important enough that they're getting money to produce a magazine um, that looks really nice and videos that look really professional. So this is from the same roundtable discussion. Um, this is a guy named Ron Hosko. He is law, from the Law Enforcement Defense Fund, whatever the hell that is. They are looking to inspire just this sort of activity. If somebody takes that bait and they go, that's the fear of the FBI. 1,000 investigations in 50 states, right. in all 50 states, right. being reprioritized every day at FBI headquarters, assets, resources being moved around to address the highest priority threats, and hoping, like the Brits and like the French, that we get it right every time. Wow. Um, so either this guy is completely propagandizing the Fox News audience by saying that there are 1,000 active terror investigations going on in the United States that the FBI is managing across all 50 states, or the FBI is absolutely fucking stupid and has actually become paranoid enough based on post 9-11 fear-mongering and propaganda to think that there is this much potential terrorist activity happening in the United States involving Muslims. I mean, see, this guy doesn't make any distinction. He doesn't say if this is like, you know, white, white guy, like Christian mass shooting type of terrorism, or if this is like Muslim terrorism. Now, without saying, making the differentiation between the two, and without saying how much of it is, you know, domestic homebrew, like disgruntled, you know, mass shooter types, he's implying that it's all somehow Islamic terrorism, that there's a thousand open investigations happening right now. So I don't know if that was intentional of him to make people believe that, but that's effectively what he's doing. I mean, that's a threat that we just don't even acknowledge or think about, the fact that there are that many investigations ongoing. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And the fact is, I mean, the, the ugly fact is the Bureau cannot possibly track and follow and stay on top of that many individuals. So, I, you know, again, we can, unfortunately, we have to bat a thousand. The terrorists only have to get one through. Uh, and that's why, you know, I keep saying over and over again, we have to stay after those sanctuaries. The terrorists. So, again, it's just that weird default kind of reptile brain conspiratorial thinking that somehow become ma just mainstream and normalized that to call them the terrorists to act like they're some kind of cohesive entity it's a tactic terrorism is a tactic any crazy person who wants to take out a bunch of people for some kind of ideology or not just because they're a narcissistic insane person suicidal person it's just 
maddening to hear grown adults, you know, saying things like the terrorists, the terrorists only have to bat one. We have to bat a thousand. So we have to investigate all this pre-crime, essentially nonstop, and increase the fact that there, if this even is a fact, which I don't even know if it is, that there are a thousand active terror investigations. We have to increase that to be able to bat higher than this one terrorist that's going to get through. I'm sorry, but crazy people can do crazy shit. That's always going to happen. And there is zero evidence to suggest that there is some kind of significant Islamic or ISIS-inspired terror threat happening in the United States. It's such a drop in the bucket compared to many, many other forms of violent crime. Or even, as I was saying earlier, just arson. But we haven't defeated it as a movement, and we're seeing it not only metastasize all over North Africa, uh, but we're seeing it finally get infiltrators through in the... In the- <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous is this? It's just, what's metastasizing? People in other countries that hate us? Um, that we have to go fight, you know, with, with special forces or our armies? I mean, that's a whole different animal than suggesting that there are sort of these Islamic radicals in our country ready to spring. I mean, none of these people obviously are talking about the idea of blowback, and that people in the Middle East are very upset at our foreign policy, regardless of how the to which degree of how much of a Muslim they are. So uh, once again, these people understand some of the basic real logic of why terrorism is effective is because it creates fear and panic, but yet they're spreading fear and panic. Uh, by not characterizing this in, in actual realistic grounded terms. They're already putting it into a fantasy narrative to fulfill some kind of agenda that they have. Listen to what he says at the end. Well, that's right. The goal of the, of the terrorist is to inspire fear. Uh, and the worst thing we could do is to hunker down and, and be afraid. Uh, that's And because he's using that as spin to basically say we shouldn't hunker down and be afraid, we should attack more countries. And Niger, I mean, he even brought up Niger as an important battlefront now for defeating terrorism or terrorists, the terrorists, as if there's some sort of cohesive force. It's a fucking tactic. And let's just not beat around the bush. The war on terror has always been an excuse to wage endless war pretty much wherever we want, but mainly in the Middle East. So, of course, yes, it's obvious that this idea of waging a war against a tactic is a cover for just being able to wage endless war. It's an amorphous term, what terrorism means at any given time, which terrorists we're actually going after. You know, the fact that we even are working in tandem with, and in some cases funding, an Al-Qaeda offshoot group in Syria um, to fight against the Assad regime is absurd. You know, and that's the one that right-wingers latch on to, that Obama funded terrorists, you know, you're funding al-Qaeda. I mean, that is one good example of how absurd it is that this is just a convenient blanket term to wage war against whoever we want, whenever we want. So I promised you I was going to play some really disturbing clips of uh, some politicians talking about the quote-unquote terrorist attack in New York and... I hope I uh, didn't hype it up too much because here is Lindsey Graham um, sounding completely like Trump and 
praising Trump, throwing immense praises on his presidency. Uh, it's really interesting because, you know, I was talking about the sort of the realignment of Fox News, the neocons and Trump during this crucial time period, but also some of these establishment neocon-leaning Republicans like Lindsey Graham and John McCain are coming completely around in alignment with the Trump administration. John McCain was tweeting out that we should send him to Gitmo. And uh, Lindsey Graham is appearing on Fox News to talk about what we should do with this guy. And it's really disturbing. I mean, in some ways, it almost sounds more extreme than what the Bush administration ended up sounding like. I mean, it's it reminds me of right after 9-11. So listen to this. White House said the president's not going to come out tonight and make any kind of statement, but you've talked with him tonight. Yeah, I talked to him uh, before we came over. The one thing I like about President Trump, he understands that we're in a religious war. And to the American people, we're, we're fighting people who are compelled by their religious views to kill us all. They kill fellow Muslims who don't agree with their view of Islam. They kill Christians and vegetarians, libertarians, Jews, you name it. So we're in a war. And for the last eight years, the Obama administration turned the war into a crime. So I talked to the president tonight. He is right to make sure that when somebody comes into our country from a place where radical Islam, and that's the enemy, uh, thrives, that we're going to ask extra hard questions. He's also right to look at this as a war. The last thing I want this guy to hear tonight is you have a right to a lawyer. The last thing he should hear is his Miranda rights. I've been a military lawyer for 33 years. There's enough evidence to believe that he qualifies as an enemy combatant under the law of war. He can be held by our intelligence community as long as necessary to find out did he act alone and was he part of a bigger plot. So I hope President Trump will break the cycle of turning the war into a crime by declaring this guy a suspected enemy combatant, hold him under the law of war until we know exactly who he is and what he did. You know that when you use the words religious war, that we're at a religious war, that rubs a lot of people the wrong way and they who? say that it... Who? Who does it rub the wrong way? This guy's fucking psychotic. He's gleefully wanting Donald Trump to use the enemy combatant designation. This is supposed to be one of these, quote unquote, civilized Republicans who's, you know, trying to uh, be a check and balance for the Trump administration. Bullshit. Listen to what this guy is saying. Some of these Republicans are really getting more bloodthirsty and even more neocon-ish sounding, more nakedly neocon 1.0, like Michael Ledine style neocon, because Trump is in power. I mean, I, I can't, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back too much here, but I predicted that this would happen, that there would come a time, and it might be from a Muslim terrorist attack of some kind, where this alignment would happen again, where Trump would, Trump's presidency in and of itself, it takes the lid off certain emotions and feelings. He's tweeting saying he wants the death penalty for this guy in New York City. Trump is tweeting that already. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah, uh, let's continue playing some of these horrific clips from Lindsey Graham. So I talked to the attorney general today. If this guy's not an enemy combatant, well, what do you have to do to be an enemy combatant? You take up arms against the United States. You break into the consulate. You kill, the, uh, you kill our ambassador. We're not trying to rob the consulate. So here's what I like about President Trump. The gloves are off. He's telling the military, you can go after these guys wherever they go. You can kill them when you find them. You don't, you don't have to watch them drive away. Now he's got a chance to tell the American people the homeland is part of the battlefield. I hope that President Trump and his team tonight will tell the American people we're going to hold this man as an enemy combatant under the the law of war until we can find out whether or not he really is part of a enemy uh, network here. So 
this is an, in one way where I will fully acknowledge that Trump's administration could unleash fascism in a very, but it, not in the way that I think most people think. It's not from this white supremacy, dog whistling stuff that he's doing. I think it would be in this way. Listen to what Lindsey Graham wants. He wants us to return to an era, basically, that resembles the 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 months following 9-11 where everyone was extremely fascistic and totalitarian acquiescent and wanting just our civil rights to be totally stripped away to fight terrorism. I'll play some more Lindsey Graham where he seems really excited that Trump is lifting the rules of engagement, loosening it, making it easier to mur to just murder people and bomb more people, which the the stats coming out showing how many civilians have died since Trump has gone in office has vastly increased. So we know that that's already happening. But listen to Graham um, respond to that. So what progress have we made in two years? How are things different under this administration than they were under the last? Under this administration, we changed the rules of engagement in Iraq and Afghanistan. This president left troops behind in Afghanistan when his military advisors told him to do so. This president's changed the way we fight ISIL. Under the new rules of engagement, if you find these guys on the battlefield, you can kill them. We're going after the enemy. The gloves are off. Everybody in the military appreciates the fact that President Trump is allowing the commanders to make decisions on the battlefield. Field. It's not being run out of the White House. The president understands this is a religious war. We're not at war with Islam. We're at war with a sect in Islam who wants to kill us all, including their fellow Muslims. So he's right to slow down who comes into this country. The second order that he issued, I think, is very lawful. He should fight all the way to the Supreme Court to make sure we have extreme vetting from the countries where radical Islam is a real problem. But we just had an attack today. Eight people died on Halloween for no good reason. Uh, this man has got all the indications of having been radicalized. I don't know how deeply he's involved in terrorism, but before we turn him over to the lawyer him up, I want him to spend a lot of time with our intelligence community to find out exactly who he is and what he's up to. Maybe we can prevent the next attack if we get this guy uh, in the right hands. I mean, is he alluding to the fact that we've waterboarded people before and we want the CIA to be able to waterboard him? Um, it's odd because John McCain is, you know, one of the only good things about John McCain is he's extremely anti-waterboarding and he, he understands how much of a, a bullshit thing that is and that that is torture. So that's, and Lindsey Graham and John McCain are pretty much attached to the hip. So I'm wondering what's going on in their private discussions right now or just behind closed doors in the Senate. Um, sounds like Lindsey Graham wants, you know, doesn't want due process for, someone who comes here on a visa and who runs over someone with uh, a truck that they rented. I'm sorry to have to subject you to Pamela Geller, but the next clip is quite disgusting. And uh, if, for those of you who haven't heard Pamela Geller before, she is the ultimate sort of like token neocon. She's a disgusting person. Here, check this out. Fatwa, hunted in America, Pam Geller. Well, we've been following this. You've been telling everybody that will listen about this evil, sick ideology. It is what Geraldo and Dr. Gork are talking about, the use of the Internet. 
Talk about it. Well, listen, this is why I wrote the book, because the American people are being disarmed in the war of ideas. They're being disarmed in the information battle space. Initially, New York authorities and Mayor de Blasio denied that it was jihad terror. And this follows a pattern in the West. They deny that jihad terror is jihad terror. And even when it's obviously jihad terror, they still continue to deny it. The problem is not trucks and rental companies. The problem is not guns and it's not knives. The problem is the ideology. And there are no lone wolves in the global jihad. They're all soldiers. And what is the internet but a means of communication? The wow. So she basically just watered down the Sebastian Gorka, Frank Gaffney conspiracy so like a fucking child uh, can understand it and process it and regurgitate it. There is no lone wolf in the, in the, in the global jihad. Uh, every, everyone's a soldier. <laughs> Again, this just idea that there is some kind of global jihad that's that's some all-encompassing thing and that every single Islamic person who wants to harm the United States is under some giant umbrella or conspiracy where they're all getting marching orders from some kind of cohesive ideology. It's fucking dumb as fuck. It does not exist. And if you're listening to this podcast thinking that it exists, um, you have bought into neocon propaganda. I could, I mean, I, I suppose I can make a podcast all about trying to unlearn neocon propaganda. But at this point, if you're a listener and you're listening to this episode and you've listened this far, I'm assuming that you have already, for the most part, unlearned neocon propaganda enough to know that this is blatant fear-mongering. And the idea that there is a looming terrorist threat in the United States is completely bullshit. Let's play more of her. The problem is the jihadic doctrine. He was yelling Alu Akbar. That was Muhammad's <laughs> jihadist war cry. His last name... If you were watching CNN, it was uh, a little different. He was witness... Oh, yeah, Sean Hannity can't let this go. ...in Arabic. Like, oh... Yeah, a, a and his last name was Seifullah, which means sort of Allah. And I'm sure when he was vetted by immigration authorities, they knew that this man was moderate, and they knew that his name meant that. The fact is... So wonder where that talking point even came from. I mean, what right-wing outlet or anti-Muslim hysteria entity put out that talking point about his last name being sort of, of Muhammad or whatever they're talking about? Muslim immigration means more Islamic terrorism. It's just that simple. President Trump has mm -hmm. tried to impose national security restrictions. And again, the leftist Islamic alliance has, has opposed it. All they want to do is vet. The leftist Islamic alliance. This is straight up Frank Gaffney rhetoric. I mean, I would almost say that Pamela Geller is probably Frank Gaffney's best front out there. But her rhetoric is coming straight from his organizations. He's like the intellectual Pam Geller. And when I say intellectual, I'm being kind saying that because he knows he's a lying piece of shit. He, he's doing it extremely cynically. It's clear that he's an intelligent man. He's a myth maker and he's good at it. And he's one of the only PNAC project for the new American century neocons who has moved completely devoted most of his career to the Islamophobia industry. And Pamela Geller is one of his uh, best, most famous acolytes, I guess. Just this idea, this base reptilian brain idea that more Muslim immigration will equal more Islamic terror. You know, there's probably so many assholes out there listening to Fox News, watching Fox News who are like, yep. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's bulletproof logic to me. And it's just like, whoa, dude, like that is so fucking childlike. Think about it for a second. This guy was from 
Uzbekistan. That wasn't even on Trump's vetting list. What is really the reading between the lines here? What is real? What are they really saying then? Extreme vetting for the like color of someone's skin and a religious test? I really do think that is what she means. She's just not saying that overtly. As disgusting and over the top as what she's saying it really is and how it sounds, she knows not to go that far, but that is really what she means. She wants some kind of religious test. And some kind of, uh, you know, oh, you look Muslim, your accent sounds sort of Muslim-y, let's take you aside here and give you some extreme vetting. She wants that kind of profiling, is really what she's saying. So Pamela Geller was on this Sean Hannity panel, um, and this is a day after, actually, the the attack, and she's on with Sebastian Gorka and Geraldo, and Geraldo's always a little bit of a contrarian, but what he was actually saying is somewhat true, except he's acting like the NYPD are great and they're patriots who are fighting terrorism. But then Pamela Geller just just totally walks all over him um, and just interrupts his last final word. Sean Hannity gave him the floor to, to finish a point, you know, that he wanted to make to, as the last word on the show. And Pamela Geller just interrupts him and starts acting like the NYPD has had their hands tied because of political correctness to not be able to stop terrorism. Which is just fucking hilarious. The NYPD is a fucking race, mega racist, racist as hell, and even rapey as hell. Um, they just raped uh, three police officers, I believe, were just indicted on rape charges uh, for a female prisoner they had in the back of a police car. New York police are fucking crazy. The stop and frisk policy alone. Uh, should show that their hands aren't tied. And the stop and frisk policy was done in part for like as a terrorism prevention method. That's what they said it was for. I think that's what they said it was for even maybe originally. Notion, the NYPD has the best surveillance uh, in, in, I think, in the, in the Western world it was on various Muslims and Muslim groups. It was Muslim dismantled groups. by CARE and by Mayor de Blasio. That's, that's it was not dismantled. true. <laughs> dismantled by CARE. It's There's 25,000 <laughs> Muslims been disarmed. Listen, living in... Last week, a jury convicted a, a Muslim I wish you could see her all those face. plot to behead me, an ISIS-inspired attack. There have been numerous this is, attacks this is on the, my life by ISIS-inspired jihadis in this country. Right, hang on one Terror- time. Geraldo, go ahead. This terrorist attack is the first time since 9-11 that they've, they, they've gotten anything like this kind of first success. Fucking unbelievable. Pamela Geller is hilarious. So this next clip I'm going to play you is from Trump's favorite show, um, which he has literally said on Twitter since he's become president, Fox and Friends, with Steve Ducey, um, one of the biggest douches on television. And this is uh, with a guest, Sebastian Gorka, the morning after um, the attack. Assistant to the president and chief strategist for Make America Great Again Coalition joins us live from the D.C. Bureau. Um, Dr. Gorka, what we know about the, the suspect, we know a lot. We know that, as Rob just said, he's 29 years old. He's from Uzbekistan, came in on a diversity visa. Um, so the only reason I wanted to play that for you is because of the way he said diversity visa. Uh, the Fox News people love sort of over-enunciating the word diversity and sort of rolling their eyes to it. Um, what they don't say is that the poli- policy was first enacted during the George H.W. Bush senior administration. So I guess at one time, even Republican presidents didn't think the word diversity was that you know offensive to them. But I guess at now in 2017, almost 
oh, I guess over three decades. Well, not quite uh, since the George, the first George Bush administration. Now the word diversity triggers these right wingers so much that they just can't help themselves but to roll their eyes and over enunciate this idea that it's the diversity visa program that he got it from diversity visa the diversity visa i mean you should it's you should see the video clips as well and i'm sorry that this is just an audio podcast but it's it's ridiculous how much this word triggers them so remember laura ingram uh, who had a short-lived Fox News TV show um, and who lost it relatively quickly. And then the, all those bloopers and uh, outtakes from her show came out, le- leaked on YouTube with an amazing quote, um, which she says to someone talking in her earpiece, don't come in my ear. Um, so that's my main association with Lori Ingram. Um, it's not as bad as the, fuck it, we'll do it live, uh, Bill O'Reilly leak. But it's pretty goddamn funny because you could just tell she's a real asshole to work with. And at that time, people at Fox News probably just didn't want to work with her. Um, And now I guess she has her own show. Um, So I guess they ran out of options, really. So that must feel good to her to already be established enough in the right-wing talk radio circuit to be like the most famous female right-wing pundit, basically, besides Ann Coulter. And to have a Fox News show and have it immediately canceled and then to have to wait years and years, almost a fucking decade, until they go through everybody, their main star, O'Reilly, Megan Kelly gone. And then just all of a sudden they're like, do you want a show again? Because we got a slot. I mean, imagine she knows in her heart that's that she's not getting the respect she deserves. I mean, come on. Just in terms of the industry that she's in, uh, she got the shit under the stick there. Um, but I hope she's she's happy because here's her little monologue. She seems real um, uh, real pleased with herself reading this. You can tell she thinks she's a real real smart gal with um, a real sharp cutting uh, a point of view on this. So take a listen. Let me tell you what we're not going to get used to in the United States as the new normal or dismiss as a one-off or just another senseless act of violence. When a jihadist games our immigration system, gets a green card, rents a truck, and in the name of Allah, mows down innocents in a major American city. That is not, nor will it ever be, acceptable in the U.S. What a fucking asshole, man. When it's preventable, as this act of terror may have been. Like clockwork, the platitudes are flying from city officials. Oh, yeah, they're really, yeah, they're, they're platitudes. Here's my reaction to watching the New York City officials get on um, TV and talk about what had just happened. It reminded me exactly of Rudy Giuliani and all these fucking troglodyte New York police, you know, guys. They look like mutants almost, these fucking creeps talking about terrorism. Uh, Yeah, we think this might be terrorism. You know, just because they're not using the word jihadi and jihadist terrorist attack and radical Islamic terrorist attack, who gives a fuck? They're strutting around and acting like the fascists they've always acted. They, these guys love terrorism. It makes them superstars. And they get on TV and act like, oh, yeah, yeah, the terrorists attack our city. They think it's a real symbol of hope. You know, that's why they always come and attack our city. You know, it makes them feel proud. It's a real jerk-off moment for these assholes. And, yeah, I just... It's just hilarious to me that part of the angle on Fox News is just how liberal and politically correct the New York City government responded to this. What? I mean, 
it's a guy who's a who's a Muslim guy. He's got a Muslim name. He's got brown skin. He's he's from Uzbekistan, and even if they didn't tell the people at the press conference that he yelled Allahu Akbar, it doesn't matter. What do you think the public's going to think? That this wasn't a Muslim terrorist attack? So let's listen to this low on the totem pole fucking dickhead continue with her rant. After he was elected, President Trump issued an executive order to temporarily halt travel from countries of concern and crack down on illegal immigration. For that, he was branded as cruel and heartless. You know what's cruel and heartless? Bikers and pedestrians run over in broad daylight in a major American city. That's cruel and heartless. Trump's instincts about what it takes to secure the homeland are correct. Protect our borders, deport lawbreakers, build a wall, halt refugees from certain countries given the severity of the threat. These are common sense solutions. Imagine like a Fox News watching dumb asshole grandma from Montana soaking that in, listening to that, and thinking that that's a logical framework that Laura Ingram has just laid out. That, ooh, you know what's a real tragedy? People getting hit by a car. It's ridiculous. Again, the vetting wouldn't have done shit. She, what she really means, Fox News is smart enough to know that openly advocating for racial profiling with their own like staff, you know, their their reporters, their talking heads, their show hosts is a no go zone. <laughs> I hate to use that phrase, but that's I, I honestly think that they know that they they don't want to actually put that messaging out there themselves that we need racial profiling, so they're alluding to it because extreme vetting Trump's plan that this judge shot down wouldn't have included Uzbekistan once again. So what does extreme vetting really mean? It means racial profiling. That's what they're saying. Um, And I'm pretty fucking sure that there really are. I mean, that is why they're being so vague with these arguments. They don't logically line up, not just because their reptilian brain dumbed down for a Fox News watching grandma in Montana, but they're also designed to make people read between the lines and use their own reptilian logic and be like, well, yeah, you know, we should profile these people. So that's one thing missing from this that was inserted during the George W. Bush era more overtly. So I will say that that is a difference, but it's a clever omission of it so they can get their audiences to fill it in, fill in that blank. Sorry to subject you to more of this creep, but listen to this. The slime that took eight lives today is a radicalized Uzbek. He got a green card through the diversity visa program. The diversity visa program. Through the diversity visa program. Through the diversity visa program. So like that's some, it's just funny how much that word triggers them. And she even caps it off by saying, according to my sources, when it was already mainstream news at that point. So what, you just call mainstream news headlines your sources? You fucking clown? According to my sources. Jesus Christ. And then she finishes off her rant talking about why, again, Donald Trump is basically the reason that we elected him to to basically deal with this shit. More alignment with the Trump administration. 
President Trump was elected in part, in large part, because voters appreciated his no-nonsense pragmatism on issues like homeland security and immigration. Although we can't stop all terror attacks in the United States, the safety of the American people demand that we do what we can to stop those attacks that are preventable. 9-11 should have made it obvious to everyone that Islam has a hideous radicalization problem. Donald Trump put the onus on Muslim leaders on his first foreign trip to get their houses in order and reform from within. Here at home, we should not lose one more American life because politicians don't have the nerve or the will to do what's necessary to secure the homeland. So it's very, very eerily reminiscent of the George W. Bush era. None of those things that she mentioned are going to stop someone from renting a car and mowing down many, many civilians. Crazy people can do crazy shit. And if you're suicidal and narcissistic and you want to take down a bunch of people with you as you go out, you're going to find a way to do it. And that's just how fucked up the world can be. And especially the United States is an extremely fucked up country. We consume far more than any other country. We have a very high mental illness rate. We have a mass shooting problem out of control. Uh, statistically ridiculous compared to other countries. Kill millions of people all around the world in the name of patriotism and nationalism and imperialism. My response is, why is it a surprise that our behavior and the way that we live causes people to do and act and uh, do crazy things that hurt a lot of people for no reason most of the time. I mean, most of these mass shootings are done with no ideology whatsoever behind it. And then here we have a guy who apparently yelled Allahu Akbar. I mean, are there any actual witnesses to that? Because I haven't even started breaking down, you know, what I think about the actual attack itself. I mean, I just think it's funny that there were even neoliberals suggesting that when Trump gets in, he might do another 9-11 or something like that. I mean, they were going like full truther, some of these neoliberals. Um, if they're that scared of Trump, you know, wh how come nobody's suggesting that Trump's people hired this guy to do this or something? I mean, I'm not saying that that's what I think, but I mean, let's speculate here for a little bit. How easy would it be to just convince a really uneducated guy who's living here who barely speaks English to do something like this or to even maybe radicalize him into, you know, the FBI does this all the time where they will sort of groom, they'll be an informant and then they'll like groom someone at a mosque or something and try to radicalize them and try to get them to like buy materials or something like that to make a bomb. And then once they do, they'll arrest them. So, is the FBI the only entity in the United States capable of doing something like that to somebody? I, I would say no. There's probably plenty of other, a lot of things are privatized now. There's a lot of, you know, people who are ex-FBI who might be able to pull something like that off. I'm just suggesting possibilities here. I mean, we'll see what this guy actually says if he, he gets to be interviewed by anybody from the press. I highly doubt he will be because, not you know, 99.9% .9 of these cases there's just an unusual lack of media, con you know, ability to contact any of these suspects. I mean, even you go back to like Richard Reed, the shoe bomber. I don't even know if anybody's interviewed that guy in prison. You know, why not? 
Um, I think actually one of the DC snipers, uh, the younger one who's still alive and still in jail, um, there's been a lot of media contact with him. And I think he even wrote a book. So he's one of the exceptions to the rule. So I guess what I'm saying is expect pretty much a media blackout at this point of why the media can't talk to him. I mean, for all we know, the Trump administration might impose some kind of blackout and we may not even hear about it. This is the problem with all these mainstream journalists focusing on this Russiagate bullshit. I guess the flip side to that is, well, if they weren't focusing on it, would they be focusing on the fact that there might be a blackout and Trump might actually be actively circumventing the justice system in order to like do shit to this guy? I mean, would they even bother to cover that in the first place? Probably not, because they didn't cover a lot of that shit during the Obama administration. The media is working hand in glove with the U.S. government sometimes to cover up these crimes that the CIA commits here and abroad. I mean, Mike Pompeo, the CIA director right now, um, has ac- actually said that he would, wouldn't mind if waterboarding came back. I think he thinks that torture works. So that's definitely a change from the Obama administration, at least rhetorically. So that's going to unlock a lot of new doors and avenues and different alliances, I think, that we're going to see taking form over time. So I feel like this is actually just the beginning of something much, much worse to come in terms of this neocon Trump Fox News alliance. So this is a clip of Mark Levin, who's another big time AM uh, right wing talk radio personality who used to be a lot more extreme sounding back in the day. Um, I say back in the day, like during the Obama administration, uh, maybe the middle of the Obama administration, I think he tried to disassociate himself from the alt-right and even to some extent, maybe even the more hardcore Tea Party movement over time, even though he was very Tea Party at one time, but yet very anti-libertarian. He, you know, he called, he still calls Ron Paul RuPaul. Um, He hates those kind of paleo conservatives. He really hates him. He's a huge Zionist. But interestingly, he sounds a little bit reasonable at the beginning of this broadcast. He he starts talking about how he, he emphasizes that it's not all Muslims. It's just like 5% of Muslims, he claims, because of some Pew poll that a lot of neocon uh, Islamophobes have distorted for their own ends to make it seem like 5% of Muslims endorse violence or you know that they actually would want to do some kind of terrorist attack. So listen to this clip of him on Hannity from the day after the attacks. But when are we going to have an honest discussion about this? We have discussions about race every other day. We have discussions about everything every day. But this issue is taboo because people don't want to destroy their careers or we're told that you're a, a bigot if you bring it up. We're not a bigot if we bring it up. We're not condemning Muslims. We're condemning people who promote violence. And when they yell, Uh, what they yell uh, after they attack people, they've confessed, they've self-identified as to who they are. So in many respects, (laughs) it is an immigration issue. Wow. You know, Mark, it it seems so basic. (laughs) It seems so basic, right? Imagine how the Fox News grandma in Montana is going to digest that. I mean, it does seem so basic when you really lay it out in such simplistic childlike terms like that, Um, that when the guy jumps out of the car and yells what he yells, he's confessed that he is some kind of radical Islamic jihadist um, and that uh, this is some sort of serious mass problem, even though only eight people died and anyone can rent a truck and run over people whenever they want to, really. So 
let's just overreact and frame things in extremely childlike, simplistic terms to just inflate ISIS to the specter that they want people to think that they really are. The next clip I'm going to play you is from Fox News Business. It's from Kennedy Nation. Um, And I find Fox News Business intriguing because it's trying to be, you know, simultaneously financial network, sort of like Bloomberg or CNBC. But then it's also a libertarian news network. It's trying to be. And Kennedy Nation is one of the shows on there. I mean, she used to have Gavin McGinnis on her show all the time and let him spout a lot of Islamophobic bullshit. I mean, she said some pretty crazy neocon Islamophobic sounding things on her show. So I was kind of watching how to see how she would respond to the terror attacks. Uh, and I was actually a little bit impressed to hear that she did not like Donald Trump's tweets, which, I mean, I guess the bar is very low to be impressed by that, but I, I don't have a very high opinion of her show. President Trump responding to the tragic terror attack in New York City, tweeting late last night, NYC terrorist was happy as he asked to hang ISIS flag in his hospital room. He killed eight people, badly injured 12, should get death penalty. So she brings former, I mean, this is an example of how much of a phony libertarian show her show is as she brings Dana Perino on to get her opinion on Donald Trump's tweets. Dana Perino is, as you will hear, Bush's former press secretary. Let me ask someone who knows quite a bit about reacting to a crisis. Dana Perino, the host of The Daily Briefing and co-host of The Five, both on the Fox News Channel, also the former White House press secretary under President George W. And Bush. more. <laughs> So let's talk about this a little bit, because the president did a couple of things in the wake of the tragedy that were questionable, uh, particularly calling our criminal justice system questionable. a joke. Yeah, That has to be demoralizing. Well, and he said it when he was sitting across from the attorney general of the United States. So actually, we have the best system. I think that what... Well, so how much of a fucking hypocrite is Dana Perino, the Bush press secretary, acting like... He, he was giving the middle finger to the justice system when the administration she was the press secretary for tried to legalize fucking torture and they opened an illegal gulag in Guantanamo Bay to hold terrorists, quote unquote, terrorist suspects indefinitely without a trial where people were actually murdered, fucking murder, prisoners are murdered at Gitmo. Remember that? So I'll just continue this clip. What he was doing, um, if I could defend him for a second, is okay. Yeah, defend him. Expressing just a human uh, in, in instinct, yes, which is to be frustrated that we have a system where you have somebody who can come in on a diversity visa, have the benefit of living in the United States. Mm -hmm. With the that is actually winning, winning the lottery. Absolutely, um, we all won it because we were born here in America. But then you get that diversity visa, then you're in. And to find out that you hate America so much. <laughs> that you hate. I mean, how do, how do we have any idea that that was the case, that this guy hated America so much? I mean, I mean, why don't, how come we don't assume that after someone blows away 25 people in a church in Texas? Does that mean he hates Christianity a lot? The media never jumps to that speculation and repeats it ad nauseum on a you know after a mass shooting like that. So why after something like this? But anyways, um, Kennedy actually impressed me a little bit just from watching the whole episode that I took this clip from. The clip I just played you did not sound very impressive. I mean, she's not really pushing back that much against what Trump tweeted. She's just like, oh, he's not respecting our justice system, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, what Trump tweeted is insane. 
that he wants the death penalty for this guy. And he also went on to tweet that he wants it done in New York City. And uh, you'll hear some other clips I'll, I'll play just here, just so you can hear what other Fox News talking heads and, and how they're reacting to Trump's tweets. And some of them are getting very excited about what he's tweeting. Here, I'll play you another one. Our tough on terror president refusing to be politically correct while our national security is at stake. You heard him refer to the Manhattan truck terror suspect as an animal yesterday, threatening to throw him in Gitmo. Now he's calling for an even tougher punishment for the slaughter of eight deaths this morning. The slaughter of eight deaths. Love to send the <laughs> NYC the terrorists to Guantanamo. This guy's but statistically, that process moron. takes much longer than going through the federal system. There was also something appropriate about keeping him in the home of the horrible crime he committed. Should move fast. Death penalty. <laughs> so someone in the background laughing like it, as if it's the soup on the E! Network or something. See, some of these Fox News shows are just so fucking horribly bland. And the guy who's, I guess, the head of the show, the host of the show, if you remember, uh, the guy who used to make those dumb man-on-the-street videos for Bill O'Reilly, that guy has his own show. And that's who was just reading that, uh, in that clip I just played you. But yeah, can you believe that Donald Trump, well, I guess you probably can at this point, that Donald Trump is that insane? Um, it's, <clears throat> yeah. All right, so many people on the left, Greg, are saying that because the, left, the president left. is weighing in on these criminal proceedings, he's jeopardizing a conviction. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? I don't know about that because this, this has never happened before. This is a first. And also, the reason why he, he's saying this is because he views this person not as a typical criminal. He views this person as an enemy combatant. Right. If somebody said, oh, you shouldn't be saying that about Nazi war criminals, you go, screw that, they're Nazi war criminals. That's how he sees these guys mm-hmm. as enemy combatants. So the rules of comportment don't apply in this Nazi situation. Nazi war criminals he still got due process. Worry about what he says about an enemy combatant. It should not matter. The other thing, too, is this guy apparently... You know, he wants an ISIS flag in his room, and I'm thinking we should give it to him, but we should dip it in bacon fat. Edge lord, put it right up there. Wow, okay. dude. That's why uh, I'm probably not going to do that. But, right. Why not? What, who's again? Who does that offend? It's an ISIS flag. I mean, I don't understand why we have these rules of comportment about certain people and things. Okay, um, provocative, Gutfeld. But it- yeah, that was really provocative. It's the most like childlike, contrarian, non-edgy, pretend edgy stance I've ever fucking heard. These guys are pathetic. This, I mean, this Greg Gutfield guy reminds me of Gavin McGinnis, except he's he's less interesting than Gavin McGinnis. But how funny is it that this this resident coked out mutant sort of edge lord comedian at Fox News think that this is an edgy sort of funny, controversial thing to say about dipping a flag in bacon fat. I mean, what a bunch of dumb fucking bottom-of-the-barrel generic bullshit that is. He probably should hire some better joke writers. To weigh in is former Navy SEAL and former commander of a SEAL team, uh, and, and uh, SEAL Team 3, the most highly decorated special ops unit of the Iraq War. Jocko Wilnick is with us right First off, when you see what happened in New York and you hear that he wants an ISIS flag outside his hospital room and calls himself a soldier of the caliphate, what do you think of? You need to see the video clip of this Navy SEAL guy because he literally looks like a Neanderthal man. Look it up on Fox News. Um, 
It's fucking ridiculous. He looks like a cartoon caveman. I swear to God. Well, first of all, obviously it sickens my heart to see that kind of thing. And when I hear people about where we're going to send him, should we send him to Gitmo? I say we skip Gitmo and send him straight to hell where he belongs. But don't you want the most intelligence possible out of him? <laughs> yeah, we can gather as much as intelligence possible out of him. We can interrogate him as much as we can, but eventually you're going to hit that brick wall. He doesn't not going to have any more information. Yeah. And let's get him out of this planet. Chaka, when you... <laughs> Getting in... So basically... He wants to murder this guy. What kind of information can we get out of him? He's obviously not a sophisticated ISIS sleeper cell agent. He jumped out of his truck with a pellet and a paintball gun. It's just insane that there are actual serious government officials out there who think that interrogating this guy or that we can even get valuable information out of him. Um, that's very strange that they're morons in our government who th actually think that and this neanderthal navy seal guy um he just wants him to go straight to hell um and you should see him and how it, 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 you really have to see what he looks like because it really put helps put this whole thing into perspective um and i'm just going to play you a couple more clips from fox news um and we're going to pretty much finish off this broadcast. And I'm just going to end it with a final rant and my thoughts on all this. But here's the last clip. The same Navy SEAL guy on Fox and Friends talking about how he thinks that we should just kill uh, terror suspects or, you know, people who do things like this without any due process or legal framework whatsoever. When you look at the evidence that was on his phone, all the videos, I mean, very disturbing, 90 videos of him watching horrific murders, what ISIS does to people, running over innocent people with, with tanks, you were reminded that there is evil in this world. So how do we eliminate <laughs> evil? How do we eliminate ISIS? What do we do? Well, first of all, yes, there's evil. And the things that he's watching is the things that those evil subhumans perpetrate on a daily basis. And the way you get rid of people like that is you kill them. You hunt them down and you kill them. That's what we should be doing. But we want to show, according to some, we want to show that we're different than the terrorists. We'll be like them if we do that. Uh, we won't be. We're, we're civilized people with rules uh, and laws. What's your reaction? Uh, actually, yes, we are different than the terrorists. We don't do things that they do. We don't systematically <laughs> rape 10 year old girls like they do. And if that's the way they're going to behave, they don't deserve to live. Mm -hmm. What do you make? Okay. <laughs> so basically, he went to some kind of obscure example of how ISIS is raped, systematically raping 10-year-old girls as an example of how they're more evil than that. We don't do evil like ISIS does. But all those other things that the Fox and Friends host mentioned, like running over people with tanks, beheading people, all that shit, that we do it. And our proxies do it too. So... He had to jump to an example that's just so extreme, um, you know, but even in that instance, I mean, I'm sorry, bro. Um, American soldiers have systematically raped young Iraqi girls. I mean, Jesus Christ, America does some extremely heinous shit. And uh, we present ourselves as a civilized, democratizing force, whereas ISIS is presented as subhuman. I mean, the guy actually called them subhuman. He doesn't view them as human. He views them as animals. Trump also said that this guy was an animal. 
why when a mass shooter goes on a rampage, does did these white guys on Fox News not call them animals? You really have to wonder that. Barely coded racist language. Barely coded. Um, if this was a white guy who did a mass shooting, he's still a human being, according to these Neanderthal troglodyte Fox News fucktards. But when it's a Muslim or a brown guy, he's an animal. So just remember that, that... You know, as, as disgusting as Fox News is and as openly racist as it still is, it still uses a lot of coded language. A lot of these right wing have learned how to code and soften their language to sound not as racist, but it really means the same thing. And I guess I'll just end this broadcast by saying this is an early sign of an alliance between Fox News and Donald Trump in a way that perhaps most people I don't think expected because we saw some you know, some pushback from Fox News against the Trump administration to some degree. But very recently, Murdoch's media empire seemingly is coordinating in lockstep with the Trump administration in a way that didn't exist before. And that's very, very alarming because that does take us straight back into sort of a George W. Bush era of the media and the government working together. Keep in mind that CNN and MSNBC are still not in lockstep with Trump. But when it comes to war and when it comes to Muslims and when it comes to bombings in the Middle East, they are fully on board. All you have to do is watch Brian Williams, Van Jones, other people reacting to Trump's um, strike on Assad's forces in Syria to see how orgasmic they are that he was doing that. Um, so when it comes to war, they will be right there behind him. And unfortunately, if Trump is crazy enough to do something like launching a preemptive strike on North Korea, um, I don't think CNN and MSNBC will be trying to push back on that at all. I think that they will be there as megaphones for his war. They're going to be there to support the troops, just like they've always been. And this is a common theme on the Media Roots radio podcast, but I can't stress this enough, and I will just end... Uh, this podcast with this final thought, that the war on terror, as we know it, is a fictional war. It's not a real war. So for all these people to say this is a war we're in, they're waging a war against us, um, it's extremely convenient framing that allows us to wage endless war in the Middle East. That is why the this is framed as a war on terror, because terror is a tactic it doesn't mean a cohesive enemy or a force or even an ideology like the, like a lot of these Fox News people are trying to say about radical Islamic. It's blatantly obvious that the U.S. government and the Bush administration deployed this meme of the war on terror in order to, to increase America's hegemony and increase our ability to just wage war whenever we want, wherever we want, for any reason. Terror is an awfully convenient excuse. I mean, let's face it, people who have less resources than the United States, anybody who wants to harm the United States, they, they might do something with less resources that can just cause more damage, like blowing up a bunch of civilians or, you know, mowing down civilians. Those are all soft targets are always traditionally easier to, easier to attack. So when you're fighting asymmetrical warfare, and I'm not saying that in any way to validate this idea that we're in a real war. But when, I mean, if you're someone who wanted to cause harm to the United States, doing something that kills civilians 
um, is much easier than, than attacking a military target. So, and I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm not trying to say this is going to keep happening in the United States or that it's an actual serious problem because it's not at all. I mean, in a way, we're lucky that after all the horrible damage we've caused around the world, that there aren't more active terrorist attacks happening in this country as blow, just a, on blowback alone. Um, that's actually, we're pretty lucky for that reason. Um, and that's not because the FBI is thwarting you know, terrorist attacks on a daily basis. It's because there really is no terrorist threat. There really isn't. Even after all this horrible damage that we've caused, um, there still isn't a serious terrorist threat here in the United States. So that's the reality of what's going on. Um, the reason why American pundits and the American media don't make as big a, a big a deal about a mass shooter is because it doesn't have a convenient solution for these people, for the war makers and for the propagandists. With a, a Muslim guy jumping out of a car after he runs over eight people yelling Allahu Akbar, it hits every checkbox where all of these different entities in D.C. can come together, coalesce, and sort of form a singular agenda. We need to get rid of PC culture. We need to have stronger vetting, which is, a, which is really a code for racial profiling, because they don't just mean including certain countries in there that weren't included on that list before. Uzbekistan specifically. They think we need to wage more offense in the Middle East. We need to bomb more people in the Middle East, and that's going to stop stuff like this. Absolutely none of their solutions make sense. And the idea of bombing more people in the Middle East, waging more war, is probably going to increase the likelihood of this happening in the United States. If not in the United States, definitely in other parts of the world like Europe and just in Muslim countries by themselves, just continually bombing Muslim countries, you're going to have blowback in those countries, you know, different tensions rising to the surface and people resorting to terrorism, bombings and things like that of civilian areas and marketplaces as blowback just in those regions themselves. I don't want to leave this on a depressing note, but I will say that what we've just witnessed, and hopefully just based on the clips I played you and the commentary I've given we are witnessing a taste of what it will be like if there is some kind of quote-unquote large-scale terrorist attack. I think we are just one more of these away, a, a terrorist attack on the level of something like, imagine if a Muslim guy did the Las Vegas shooting. We are one of those away from potentially a final clampdown of American fascism in a way that we have not seen um, since the Georgia B. Bush administration, and I, and I just mean that, not to say that Obama didn't increase some of the fascism, he did, but I mean just that ramp up where it just like goes all of a sudden from like, oh, everything's fine, you know, before 9-11, seemingly, to after 9-11 where it's like, we need to take away Miranda rights, no more prisoner of war status, no, you know, we need to torture people now, we need to bomb uh, seven countries in the Middle East. I think we're seeing a flavor of that now with the way Trump and Fox News and the right-wing media, including these supposedly anti-war alt-right people, <laughs> are um, all sort of just coalescing together for, to form the same narrative, to form, to form the same extremely hardcore anti-Muslim, anti-immigrant, 
um, narrative, terrorism, fear-mongering. And then at the same time, you have all the conspiracy right-wing people like Prison Planet, InfoWars, Mike Cernovich, all those people basically saying every other attack is a false flag when it's a white guy. They even recently said this church shooting was an Antifa terrorist, even though that's completely made up. But they every time there's a quote unquote a Muslim terrorist attack, they'll just go along with it and inflate it and not say that's a false flag or question it. So people on the left have to be really vigilant to fight against this propaganda. It doesn't matter that ISIS is acts barbaric and releases snuff videos all the time and uses child soldiers to even execute people in their snuff videos. It doesn't matter. You can still go out there and fight the fight against this. Islamophobia, anti-Muslim hysteria industry network. You know, it, it almost seems like, to, I think a lot of people think it's like a automatically a losing battle because ISIS is just making it so difficult to be able to say there isn't some kind of radical Islamic terrorism problem. But I don't think that's a difficult case to make at all. Just look at the statistics and, you know, don't believe official government doctrine and dogma. Like when the FBI says that there's a thousand active terror investigations happening, or when they say they've thwarted this many terror plots, look at each one of those plots that they claim they thwarted and, um, you know, scrutinize it. Because I think many times you'll find that they just had informants that went in. And as that Fox News guy said, we're doing, they were doing um, arson. Instead of looking for fires, they were lighting fires in mosques to try to get, you know, occasionally one or two people over the course of many years to be like, yeah, I'll do some kind of attack. But it took the FBI's prodding, you know, pushing to get them to do that. Make no mistake, America is not even teetering on the edge of fascism. We are just slowly moving into a more fascistic, totalitarian state. But if something like another ISIS attack happens, you know, if it's even resembling something like 9-11, we're screwed. Activism's not going to cut it. Protesting, that kind of thing, it's going to take a serious revolution at that point in this country. But I don't think we're prepared right now to really wake up and, you know, fight against the United States government if something like that happens again. There's just not enough people in opposition to Trump for the right reasons. They don't see that the war on terror necessarily is one of the biggest problems that the United States is sort of enmeshed in. And I don't even mean that as in the United States, you know, hasn't won this war yet because it's, A, it's not a real war and it's strongly curtailed our civil liberties and pushed us not just to the brink of fascism, but we are, we are slowly morphing into a completely fascist state. And by that, I mean, we've already, we're already well on our way there. We, we have many fascistic attributes. You never know what someone like Trump is capable of. I mean, he might very well be planning a, an attack on North Korea right now and just be, you know, he's going to surprise us with it. We really don't know. I hate to end it on a depressing note like that, but I just, I think we should be taking this really seriously, that with Trump in power and the mindset he's already displayed about how he feels about Muslims and how obsessed he is with wanting to bomb the shit out of ISIS. And and when you mix that together with the neocons agendas and you mix that with Fox News, you have a really potent, powerful combination that we have not seen since right after 9-11. And that is very scary. So I just want people to let that sink in. And I'm not 
I'm not trying to make people scared or worried. I just really think that it's a good idea to face the reality um, that we're in right now with Trump. Um, it, this ride isn't over yet. And it's not just the Russia stuff that we should be scared of. I mean, that we shouldn't really be scared of that because most of that is completely 100% bullshit. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I'm probably going to be doing more of these solo podcasts because it looks like we will reach our goal on Patreon eventually um, for $500. And if you are a listener and you haven't contributed via Patreon yet, please consider doing so. You can donate as little as $1. Um, and we're trying to get up to four episodes per month, so one per week. And once we reach our goal of $500, we will do that. And some of them will probably be solo episodes from me while Abby's working on Empire Files. And if you haven't checked out Empire Files yet, I highly recommend you do so. Um, it's an amazing short documentary series from Abby um, that is in a completely different style than Breaking the Set. It's all on the ground reporting. Uh, she goes to Israel, the West Bank. Um, she went to Venezuela for multiple episodes um, interviewing the protesters. Um, it's it's an amazing show so please check that out um, my documentary series a very heavy agenda is still available on dvd there are plenty of regular dvds left but i'm running low on the box sets which comes with an extra bonus dvd and um, digital download codes for the soundtrack and the movie in hd online get those box sets uh if you want to give a gift out for christmas a weird political gift uh to one of your friends or family consider getting a box set um because they might not be left uh next year for christmas but we have plenty of dvds left and we sell the sets um all three of them together for 50 bucks including shipping inside the united states um so please check that out at a, a very heavy agenda.com you can follow me on Twitter at Fluorescent Gray. You can follow Abby at Abby Martin. And please check out our Patreon page and consider donating. Patreon.com slash Media Roots Radio. Thank you so much.